This is the Gospel for Life, where we have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. Around the table today is Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Jonathan Van Hoogen from Dayspring United Reformed Church, Vinnie Hanke from Valley Life Community Church, and Ryan Hemphill from Treasure Valley Reformed Presbyterian Church. To catch earlier broadcasts, just search The Gospel for Life wherever you subscribe. To find out more about this ministry and about our annual conference, go to ReformationBoise.com. Welcome back to The Gospel for Life. So exciting. We are literally a week away from our conference. Next week is the conference. That means that the number of days to register is dwindling quickly. Please, if you have a moment, go to ReformationBoise.com and register for the upcoming conference entitled God to Us. Dr. Jonathan Gibson and Dr. Miles Van Pelt coming and speaking upon covenant theology, which is what we've been talking about the last couple of days to whet your appetite for the upcoming conference. We've talked about the fact that there are going to be different titles available at the conference. Some are our entry-level titles on covenant theology. Some are a little bit more in the, the deeper waters. But there should be a whole host of variety, and all you have need to do is find one of us around the book tables, and, and, and we'll direct not, you. And that's not the only thing on the book no, table. No, 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 no. <laughs> that, that, that's that is a select title list from the book table. If nothing else entices you to come, this is, out of all the conferences that we've hosted, the most titles that we'll ever have, or not ever have, that we have yet had at a conference so there should be books for people of all ages and all interests and at incredible prices. So hopefully yeah. you come and at least check the, the book Rent table Rent a U-Haul, out. you know, yep. come, yep. load up on books. Sell a couple children. I mean, do what you need to do in order to <laughs> be able to equip yourself with some great literature. Um, today we have been talking about covenant and, and that God – we were comparing um, covenant theology with dispensationalism and, and – in dispensationalism, there's this idea that God in – there's these dispensations that there are different time periods in which God really interacts with people in different ways. And we are going to begin talking about three main covenants, and some some might be tempted to think, well, wait, isn't – aren't you just dispensationalist in a different way? Aren't you – I mean, how can you talk about three different covenants – and not be talking about God interacting differently with with people. Hopefully this is clear by the end. But historically, in the teaching on covenant, people have either talked about two covenants or three covenants. So if there are those that believe in two covenants, they will say that there is a covenant of grace and a covenant of works. And within the covenant of grace, they really have that, that God is – is making a covenant with his elect, or God is the Father is making a covenant with with Jesus Christ as representative of his elect people, and so what they've done is they've combined two of covenants within the one covenant of grace. We are going to talk about three covenants: covenant of redemption, covenant of grace, covenant of works. But I just want you to know that if you're two covenant people and you just talk about the covenant of grace and covenant of works. It's kind of like as a pastor, I say that I have two points, and then my first point has two subpoints. Did I have two points, or did I have three? Yeah. And that's kind of really what's going on with the covenant terminology. Everybody actually believes in all three. They just sometimes only talk about two, but then have 
two subpoints in the one. So I, we are not going to get into that splitting of hairs um, <laughs> anymore. Anymore. <laughs> but just know that it's all out there. Okay. So first, what is the covenant of redemption? It's that inner trinitarian covenant that uh where the father has you know willed the son has agreed to accomplish and the holy spirit agrees to apply and uh that's the agreement that's been made among the trinity to accomplish our salvation and it's it it you know we, we you're not going to find the the word covenant or redemption in scripture you know just like you don't find the you know word trinity for instance in scripture but we know that there's a relationship uh, within the trinity and uh, and that it's borne out that uh, Jesus is fulfilling he's come to fulfill the will of his father and and so you have obviously there was something willed you know something determined um, you know, we were talking about a covenant there. We, op- we open up uh, Ephesians chapter 1 with, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundations of the world. You know, this before the foundations of the world, you know, God is making a covenant to redeem a people. And, and he's doing that within the Trinity. Mm. That that language that it's God the Father has chosen a people in Christ is really what is, is being said by Paul there in Ephesians mm-hmm. one, and so that's part of this covenant of redemption. The Father has chosen a people for His very own. From the very beginning of time, God knows who are His own people. However, God also knows that His people will sin. And so how can he have a people as a holy God that can dwell with him and commune with him? Well, that brings us to the second person of the Trinity, Jesus Christ. And in Ephesians 1, we'll also learn that through the work of Jesus Christ, he secures the redemption of his people by his life, by his death and resurrection. He accomplishes what is necessary in order for God the Father to have the people that he chose, mm-hmm. that he provides the redemption through his Son. So what does and, the Spirit and, have to and, do with and this? The, and the Holy Spirit applies the work of the Son. And it's not a, you know, this is, a, you know, this, they're all in agreement, the, the Trinity's in agreement. It's not, not like the Father saying, I'm going to elect some, and Jesus says, no, I'm going to die for all. And the Holy Spirit says, I'm going to break the tie, and I'm going to apply it only to these. <laughs> they're, they're, this, is a, this is the agreement of, of the Trinity in heaven. And so it's like Jonathan said, we, you don't find this wording in Scripture, but you find just like the Trinity is, is played out in the pages of Scripture where you can clearly see God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit – you also see the covenant of redemption played out in the language. And what I would encourage you to do is just, as you have this framework in your head, go back and read passages and say, oh, I see that. Oh, I understand what's – I mean, Jesus saying that, I, you know, I'm not going to lose any that you gave me. Well, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. Well, that's the covenant of redemption being communicated in the Gospel of John. So – once again, you're not going to see the you ever come across the phrase covenant of redemption, but you're going to see the concept. 
Second is the covenant of works. Some people have bristled at the phrase covenant of works, sometimes called covenant of nature, covenant uh, covenant of life, covenant of creation. creation. Yeah. It's that covenant made with uh, Adam in the garden, Adam and Eve, and and we know it's it's, it's a covenant of works because when uh, God uh, you know places Adam in, in the garden, he, he tells him he can eat from any that you know tree that's in the garden except for the one the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and he says in the day you eat of it you shall surely die and the language there is really emphatic I mean, if you were to translate it woodenly god would be saying to adam in the day that you eat of it you will surely die die i mean it's it's just he's getting the home the point there's no there's no offer for adam if you happen to take a bite of the fruit here's what you do to be reconciled there there there's no offer of grace it's just complete and utter total perfect obedience is required yeah and yeah. there's no other stipulation yeah a couple of days we talked about the some of those elements of a covenant god's so, uh, sovereign initiation and then a conditional promise and both of those are present there mm-hmm. in genesis 1 and 2 and then the language from hosea chapter 6 verse 7 helps us here yeah uh, because describing the nation's breaking of the covenant it's it's compared to adam so hosea 6 7 says but they like Adam, have violated the covenant. There, they have betrayed me. And so we see that Adam's sin in Genesis 3, Hosea seems to understand as a violation of a covenant made between God and Adam. Some look at the uh, Genesis 1 and 2 and say, well, there isn't a covenant there. The word covenant's not used. We talk about covenant promises and curses. All I see is a curse here. I don't read any promises here. And so then they kind of push back against that I would, I would answer two things. One, in 2 Samuel 7, when God is making a covenant with David, the word covenant is not used in mm-hmm. 2 Samuel 7. It's only actually in, in separate passages later on that what God did in 2 Samuel 7 is actually referred to as a covenant. Yep. And I would say the same thing, that it's only later, Hosea, where what happened in Genesis 1 and 2 is, is referred to as a covenant. Mm-hmm. And then second, um, the blessings are implied. Yeah. Right. So they're not explicitly stated but I, I do think they are implicit to the yeah. passage. If, and the last if piece you're of not going to you die, have. you're going to live. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know, it just, you know, yeah, there's no, it's, it's one or the other. Yeah. Yeah, the, and the other piece is you have two parties. Yes. Right. God and Adam. Yep. So I think it, what some people say is if it looks like a, a covenant, if it acts like a covenant, if it, if, it you quacks know, like a covenant. It, yeah, then it, it's like a covenant. Let's yeah. talk, call, it, call it what it is. Um, what about the covenant of grace? Well, this is the, uh, I mean, God immediately enters into, upon the, the fall of Adam and Eve, he enters into the covenant of grace. So really the the whole of, from Genesis 3 onward, is just really this unfolding of God's covenant of grace. It's given in seed form in Genesis 3.15, but then throughout the pages of Scripture, he's peeling back the layers and he's showing it, showing who the seed of the woman would be and Christ comes and is the fulfillment of it. But really, and in, in the, in the two work together, and Russ, you've mentioned this before, of how the covenant works is still in play. It's still right. binding. God, that covenant never went away. God still requires perfect obedience. And really, the covenant of grace is God's application of Christ's fulfillment of the covenant works to us, yeah. that we might be with him. God accepting Christ's obedience to the covenant of works in our place salvation is accomplished by 
Christ's fulfillment of that covenant of works as our substitute. And what you'll find is that throughout the entire Old Testament, God is just revealing more and more of of that covenant relationship and and providing types and shadows and figures and Mm. relationships. And so tomorrow we're going to look at this more fully, but there are, are five major kind of epics or whatever administrations of that unfolding unfolding however you want to talk about it of that covenant of grace there's only one covenant of grace and we don't want that to be any confusion about this god didn't have multiple covenants of grace there's one covenant of grace but he reveals this through his covenant with noah and then with abraham and then with moses and then with david and then the new covenant and so there's a, a, a an ever <coughs> richer revealing of that covenant. It's just like um, with your own children. There are things that you talk about them when they're young, and you just give them little snippets because that's all they can handle. Mm-hmm. You're not trying to, to be deceitful. You're not trying to hide something from them, but that's all they've got. That's all they can handle. And so what happens is God continues as his as time goes on to give us <coughs> more revelation, more in, information as if you will, his people grow and mature and develop, he sheds more light and 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 that we have the incredible opportunity to live in the fullness of that revelation mm. because Christ has come and the scripture canon is complete. But that's all getting the cart before the horse. That's all our talk for tomorrow. So tune in then and we'll see you then.